This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, Tank Girl, Miriam Joie. Brought to you by Surfshark VPN. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joie, and today is Wednesday, February 26, 2020, and my guest is Ray Wong of Input. Hi, Ray. How are you? How's it going? I'm good. I'm great too. Uh, so I hear that you have a Galaxy S20 Ultra in your pocket right now. I do. I've been testing it since last Thursday, shooting a lot of photos, uh, really putting it through its paces. Um, and yeah, it's, it's been an interesting experience for sure. Are you excited? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I a mean, it, question. I know it is a loaded question. I mean, Samsung's this is Samsung's best. It's Samsung's most expensive flagship phone. It's their most powerful, um, and you know they, as always, packed it with as much tech new technology as possible. And uh, you know, there's just so much to dive into, but mainly the cameras. Right, there are a ton of cameras on the front. Uh, I should say on the rear. And uh, they really went all out this time, at least on paper. And so, yeah, yeah I mean, let, let's, let's really talk about it. Because yeah, uh, so, so, I'm a big, um, big mobile photography guy. I'm going to rely on you because Samsung still hasn't sent me a review unit. You know, as second tier folks, we just got to wait. Um, but um, I've played with one, obviously, at the event in San Francisco. And mm-hmm. so I didn't take too many photos with it. But I get a bit of a feel for things uh, in terms of specs. So... What's your general feeling about this camera system? Uh, before mm-hmm. we get into maybe recapping what's where, because you know it's pretty sure. unique. Um, wh- how do you feel in general? Are you happy? Are you concerned? I, I saw you had some issues with autofocus, uh-huh. and there's also been an update since then. Since I sent you the topics yesterday, I don't know if you sure. had a chance to try that out. I mean, etc. Uh, I mean, I I was initially very, very excited. You know, big specs, right? 108 megapixel uh, main sensor, 64 megapixel uh, telephoto lens or foldable lens or periscope zoom lens, as they call it, with up to 100x digital zoom, which is insane. Well, we know uh, that's crazy. Like, that's crazy. It's talk. crazy. It's bonkers. It's like a lot of point and shoots don't even have 100x. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, also an ultra wide, you get your depth sensor or time of flight, as they call it. Um, and so you get four cameras on the back, and then you get this also 40 megapixel selfie camera on the front. And it's just like Samsung gunning right for Huawei. There's no doubt about it. You know, Huawei's been doing these big sensors and, you know, these uh, periscope lenses with crazy zooms for years. And now Samsung's like, screw it. We're going to go out and gun right for them. And I thought, you know, also also 8K video recording, right? Um, yeah, and so yeah. I thought, oh man, this is it. Samsung's really done it. You know, start of a new decade, 2020. Uh, they're hitting reboot a little bit. They got a new, like, you know, head of mobile, you know, DJ Ko's out, and they got a new guy in. And so I thought maybe this is it. They're going to crush Apple into the ground, really put the iPhone 11 Pro in its place. And then I got the phone and start shooting with it. And if you guys know me, I've been doing this for years, um, many, many years, like, yeah, you know, way back and just like <laughs> doing these crazy camera comparisons like before these like youtubers and influencers start doing like these big camera comparisons and i don't i like to you know shoot with the kind of like most realistic settings right so i'm yep, not yep. using like tripods or any kind of like rigs or anything because that's just not how people are out there shooting right i'm 
I've got my little chest pack. I've got like four, five, six po- phones, and boom, I'm just taking them out. All the cameras are re- loaded and ready to go, and I'm shooting really quickly because you know light changes in. For I sure, try to be you, as consistent. You want to try possible. to be as consistent, yeah, absolutely. Exactly, and I think that's the most realistic uh, shooting scenario. I'm not using any pro modes. I'm not doing any kind of manual shooting. We're going right for the out of the box experience. So right. you know testing the autofocus you know we're seeing how fast it is and how it performs in real conditions where there's lots of you know chaotic things potentially happening lots of moving cars people things and so you know i took the phone out me and evan rogers our guides editor he's a big photo nerd um and we we take it out for a whole day and we're shooting all over manhattan you know really giving it the treatment we're we're going all the like most touristy locations you can go to (laughs) yeah i saw Uh, (laughs) You know, Grand Central, uh, New York Public Library, Highline, Times Square, uh, you know, Brooklyn Bridge, Park, Dumbo, everywhere. It's like, fun being a tourist in your town, right? I do that in SF sometimes it, too. <laughs> it's great. Uh, and I do it like multiple times a year. And, you know, you go around. These are the places people are going to be shooting with their phones, right? And so we go there and we take all kinds of photos, outdoors, indoors, close-ups, foods, shots, selfies, you know, uh, low lights, nighttime shots every type of shot imaginable, and then video as well. And the one thing we just noticed is that the autofocus is unfortunately it's not... laggy as F. I, it's I was not up amazed. to par. I want to tell the audience really quickly, there will be a link in the show notes here uh, on your story on input about the uh, camera, uh, your, your camera experience. I think it was very detailed and very in-depth. I love you. that you had a food section. Like you actually went through all the sections. You know, I've been reviewing cameras on phones since 2005. Like mm-hmm. I started my photography, uh, you know, fascination or, or hobby as it were with phones. Like I mm-hmm. graduated to real cameras from phones. So I, I you know, I'm like you, it's really uh, close to my heart. Right. And I'm going to put a link because I loved how how in depth you were, but it's very obvious to me immediately. Like just watching those video samples, you know, where you're holding up the keys in front of uh-huh. the camera. Like yeah. I couldn't believe how slow the focus was on that. So, so I mean, I wonder if yeah. they fixed it because that seems like a bug to me. That does, even if I understand what you know the difference in autofocus versus the previous gen, right? But I still feel like that's way too slow. So so let's unpack that a little bit, right? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> So the new sensor, it's got a 108 megapixel sensor, and Samsung decided to go instead of with their dual pixel uh, phase, dual pixel autofocus, which was uh, incredible. Which I which think was incredible, when it right? came out on the S8, it was the fastest autofocus I'd never right. s- ever seen on a phone. And so now they've switched over to this just this phase detection autofocus, and so you know there there's some differences between the two autofocus systems, right? Uh, dual pixel is just uh, for those who don't know, that is a an autofocus per pixel. Every pixel on the sensor is embedded with a focusing uh, module, yeah, right? Yeah, and I think Apple does this too now, right? Right. And so you, you're covering a larger space, the whole sensor, and so you get this fast, almost instantaneous autofocusing. Yeah, basically system. it's a parallax on each pixel. You, have, right. you split the pixel in half vertically right. and then you get one half and the other half you, you still get all your light for the shot right but now you have two areas that can be compared and you can use that to focus on you know whatever right millions now, of now, pixels now the sensor on the the autofocus system on the uh s20 ultra it uses phase detection autofocus and that means only a percentage of the pixels on the sensor can focus immediately right yeah and so therefore you're getting slower autofocus so the the reason why i saw so much of this like hunting you know where the camera is like constantly going trying to 
keep focus, right? And lock focus, especially in video, is because it's just not fast as it's not as fast as dual pixel, right? And so, I mean, there are a couple of reasons maybe why Samsung went with this. And you know, there's apparently an update that just got pushed out in South Korea. Uh, nothing for the U.S. just yet. And again, while at the time that we're recording this, we're still maybe like a week and a half away from an official launch, right? The proper right, launch. Absolutely. So there's still time uh, for Samsung to patch things up, but um it, the update doesn't specify at least the what? update that's being pushed yeah. out what you know there's there's rumors that it says it's auto flash and then big a big camera update but it doesn't say anything specifically about the autofocus now there are two reasons why i think uh maybe samsung decided uh not to um go with the dual pixel autofocus I have one some theories is, too <laughs> one is uh a, it's they'd have to embed the you know focusing into every pixel and you were talking about like 12 million pixels all the way up to 108 million pixels and we're the processing about big power associated with that right so like you know that's a costly thing we're talking about like an exponential jump in uh the amount of pixels that would be embedded with this you know focusing and then also so that you know there's cost um, and then the other thing is just the sensor is new and they haven't properly tuned it um to work with this system just yet you know you touched on something that does worry me a lot is that the sensor is new and and that's the thing about like you know rewinding a little bit about what you said earlier like you know the samsung apple battle to me there's a third player that i wish you'd included in your comparison which is huawei because you know of course the phones are unattainable they're not really realistic to be purchased by most americans right so i get all that but i feel like oh i tried (laughs) i really tried i mean i mean i I put the p30 in there because you know it has a it has a periscope lens etc sure but my point is that I think the thing about the reason I've always felt Samsung's phone are pretty decent at imaging, but they are never the best at imaging. And I wasn't expecting the S20 Ultra to be the best at imaging. Mm. And the reason for that is just, I feel like, you know, the crown seems to jump around right now. I feel like it's, it's Apple, of course, with the 11 this year. But, you know, Pixel in the past, we've seen Huawei as well. But the problem that Huawei has usually is tuning, um, mm-hmm. you know, especially color color science right. tuning. Like they have Leica on board. And I think right. for some things, their color science is dead on. But consistently see like consistency between shots and between lenses and between scenes is not their forte. Right. But well, that's it, that's just a right? problem uh, across Android as a whole. Right. And that's in ge- where in general, yeah. that's where Apple, Apple really crushes that. it. Right? I mean, it's so, insane to me. Right? Exactly. So like on iPhone, they make all their lenses almost very, very consistent. There's sometimes where it's a little bit off. But in general, you'll see like across three lenses on the back of the pro. They all feel like it's one seamless camera. The color science is almost yeah. the same across all three lenses. And so that's just something Android still fails to do. And that's where they still need to catch up a lot. You know? Yes. So what worried me about Samsung in the last few years, like with the Note 10 and the S10 series, was that they were very good. Like they were up in the upper tier of what we expect in terms of imaging from camera phones, but they didn't stand out as the best. And I felt that, I was surprised that was the case considering they'd been using essentially the same sensors for Mm -hmm. two or three years. And so I wasn't expecting this thing with brand new sensors to be super 
I mean, I thought it'd be very good, but not to beat the iPhone out of the door, at least, because you need to tune it. And the biggest problem I've had is comparing these high megapixel count, um, you know, sensors that do pixel binning four to one or nine to one, like uh-huh. this is doing nine to one, is my, my gripe with that is that Sony sensors have, with the proper implementation, really nailed that. But I feel yeah. like Samsung sensors, every time I use a 48 megapixel or 64 megapixel Samsung sensor on a camera mm-hmm. phone, I feel that the, the tuning is, is not good. The results right. are just not great. So I was thinking this 108 megapixel sensor, I'm like, ugh. I mean, I haven't right. played with the CC9 from Xiaomi, which is the, the first phone that had that sensor. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. But I, I mean, I figured with Samsung on board, making their own sensor, it would be acceptable and decent. But I knew it wasn't, it was going to be, issue, there was going to be issues. And also right. the amount of processing you need for that. And I'm also right. torn by the fact that they're using a 64 megapixel sensor for the telephone. And I want to, uh-huh. I want to pick your brain about that because sure. I feel like they're, they're essentially, they're cropping, right? They're, they're using, right. they're not using the whole sensor. The periscope lens is what, like a 3X optical or something or 4X optical. It's not really that right. high of an optical zoom, right? And right. then they're actually using the fact that they have this massive 64 megapixel sensor but then in low light you get 0.8 micron pixels to deal with so how does <laughs> like when you zoom in a lot in low light how does it behave because it, it can't pixel bin anymore it would it's, output it's, a two megapixel photo if it right did. i mean when you zoom in it's not doing great i mean it's very bad um i mean it's already tell us about that experience both in good light and in bad light i mean in in the zoom is I'd say all right, you know, for phone, we gotta think. I about, mean, it's impressive. Is it as good as the Mate? For, uh, sorry, not the Mate, the P30 Pro. You know, I didn't have enough time to play with the P30 Pro, so I can't really say um, how. It's up they, to about 30x the P30 Pro holds its own. Like it's right. it's fine. But I mean, beyond I, that, ugh. yeah, I I mean, we're talking about the upper zoom range is pretty garbage on all these phones you know they're they're all using a hybrid they what they call like a hybrid uh zoom so they're trying to combine uh cropping from the optical sensor with you know digital enhancement right and software and optics yeah right and and so what you're getting is something that's better but then like you know digital zoom just straight up digital zoom but still not as good so i i would say for phones um they're pretty pretty impressive, just because like you know, I mean, we're to, we're using phones. And I mean, having the, 10x and 10x results come out good is going to yeah. benefit everyone, and that's the case exactly. with both these phones. I mean, I saw your right. photos. At 10x, right. it's solid. At 30x, it's usable. Um, sure. And I felt the same way about the P30 Pro. So you're absolutely right. right. Why wouldn't you want that, right? Right. 10x is definitely acceptable. Like you can def you can definitely get great results with that. Uh, 30x again, you're pushing it, but then anything beyond that is like, okay, why even bother? Because like a uh, the image is going to look really bad. And then B, um, it's so shaky. Like the phone is, the sensor, the viewfinder is so, so yeah, shaky. question for you. Does it have OIS or are they purely using electronic stabilization and counting on the fact that they're cropping? My guess is that they're using electronic stabilization. Yeah, they're counting the, on the cropping, right. which is right. fair. I mean, they have a huge, they're taking a tiny subsection of that 64 megapixel sensor and having right. a floating window floating around. But you, it sounds like it's not tuned right either. Right. So, I mean, it's it's so shaky. That's why they have this little like crosshair in the upper left corner for you like 
aim properly so you know what you're seeing because like when you're looking even on the big screen it's almost impossible to see at like 100x what what you're looking at you know right. mm-hmm. like you can't make out what you're seeing so like you really have to like aim and then even then it's like you have to keep your hand really steady so i'd say at 100x without a tripod it's almost like impossible and even with a tripod you get wind and stuff like that and the little the slightest wind will really mess up your your aim and kudos um, so. to Samsung for trying this. This is, again, computational photography in, in practice. You're taking a sensor that's much larger. You're cropping in real time right. a sub-window of it to get you know, your, your zoom. And then you're acting some optics for zooming to that. And then you're basically having this floating window that moves. And, and, and I think it could become a thing in the same way as computational photography in other areas has become a thing. I but- mean, I want to know what Google would do with this. Give... Google like this tech, let them experiment it, run wild and apply their computational photography to it and machine learning and AI. And let's see what kind of like sharpened results they can get. And I feel that Huawei would also have an advantage here because they have a lot more machine learning and AI research on imaging Mm -hmm. than Samsung does. Less than Google for sure. But like, it's interesting to me. Like, I don't want, I I want you to know, and I think you understand, Ray, but I think I want the audience to know that I'm not knocking Samsung here for trying right. something new on this, on both this main sensor. Like I support this idea. I just knew when I saw the specs that this would be pretty difficult to get right on the, <laughs> out of the box, right? Like, and maybe in Gen 3 or 4 of this technology when they're doing the S40, um, <laughs> you know, no, I'm not, don't, don't, I'm not saying that to be mean. I'm not saying you shouldn't go buy an S20 Ultra if that floats your boat. Right. I'm just saying like, you know, it's taken Huawei a few generations to get the 40 megapixel sensor that they have, the, the R-YYB, uh, you know, the yellow pixel yes, one. Yes, yes. Uh, kind of okay in terms of color science. And it's taken, you know, Google a few tries to get, you know, three three pixel generations right. to get to a point where we felt really happy with their 12 megapixel sensor. And look at Apple. I mean, for a while there, until the 11, I, I didn't feel I didn't feel Apple had the crown for two years there. Right. I you mean, know? the the XS definitely was a step back for a lot of people just because the, the color science, you know, the HDR, com- uh, you know, <clears throat> watercolor-like effect, as some people called it. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I think it, it's really kind of what you're looking for. Um, there, there, there are almost no bad uh, premium smartphone cameras now. Nope. Everything is pretty darn acceptable. Um, especially if you're posting Instagram, your Twitter, you're getting some compression there. Um, and so everything looks pretty good. Even low light stuff. Like so, you know, just having this extra power and uh on the S twenty Ultra, yes, I'm impressed. But as a person who loves like shooting with their smartphone, like I went I go to CS like for, I've gone to CS for the last two years and I've only shot with my iPhone and Pixel. Same you know? with me. So I, 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 I kind of like uh, dual carry. I, I have right. I have that my Pixel 4X, um, well, at least now, I have a Pixel 4XL for main stills uh-huh. and, and telephoto stills. And I have an iPhone 11 non-pro for ultra wide and for uh-huh. video. So I do exactly. all my video recording. I use Filmic Pro. Mm-hmm. Um, I use a lav mic, and so I adjust my audio levels manually. I adjust exactly. my white balance manually. I adjust my, f- not my focus, I leave that on, but I do my, my uh, what's it called, my EV, my exposure manually as well. And my videos, I feel, are so much better because of it, even right. than what I was doing with my Sony NEX, where I can do all the same things, like I can adjust right. everything manually. But I just feel like it's so much more convenient, right? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and I mean, do you shoot portrait mode? Because I use I I use portrait mode on the Pixel mm-hmm. and on the uh-huh. iPhone 11 to shoot products. Sure. I mean, it really depends on the background for me. I I usually generally just get closer because you know the aperture is pretty large. Uh, you get f one point eight or uh, I find whatever. the problem is with lighting. You get shadows and weird stuff when you get close. Right. You, when you get close, you your own shadow. I mean, there are a lot of tips and tricks we can get into in another podcast, maybe. About, <laughs> for like, sure. Um, I'll have you back. We can have a how yeah. to shoot proper video I mean, and and stills <laughs> as a tech yeah, journalist I mean, using phones. For sure, I would love to <laughs> love to go deep on that. Um, That'd be awesome. But yeah, I mean, I I think people just don't realize how much how much you can get out of your smartphone camera, and it's like you know there are manual settings, there are other apps, there are all sorts of things that you can do to make your images look better. And by the time you post it, no one really cares what you shot it with. You know, I shoot. I've shot a lot of photos with a OnePlus and, you know, OnePlus phones are generally like, you know, a generation or two generations behind the flagship yeah. of that year. And, you know, that's always the biggest knock. The cameras are just not quite there yet. You know, they just don't have the tuning chops. But, you know, with a little editing, with a little like, you know, with promo and all that stuff, you know, with more like knowledge of how to shoot with it, you can definitely get an image out there, post oh it up, God, and yes. nobody would ever know, you know? Oh like, God, people yes. think it, it was shot with, like, a Samsung um, or... I like, mean, the mid-range today, like, uh, a three to $500 phone today that you buy new now that just mm-hmm. came out in the last three three months or so will basically beat a flagship from three years right. ago. Right. That's I mean, the reality. I, I'd say, really, again, this is nothing new. Focus on your composition. Focus on your framing. Focus on your editing. And, you know, work on those things. That's way more important than, you know, how sharp a photo is. Because on yep. Instagram and Twitter, it just doesn't matter, you know? It's so funny, you know, I often shoot, like, with these cheaper review phones. Like, you know, weird rugged phones from Shenzhen that are, like, you know, questionable mm-hmm. in terms of uh, camera performance. And when I post the photos, people are like, wow, this looks great. And I'm like... Yeah, I mean, I could probably make a good photo happen with a VGA camera from two thousand. Like, <laughs> you know, I mean, just give me a give me a chance, right? Like, right. I know it's not practical for people who are trying to document their kids growing up and they're running right. around. And this is where you need the flagships. This is where you need like right. you know, what we're going to talk about next with the Sony phones, which is like yeah. eye, eye autofocus and thirty frame and twenty frame per second, yeah, uh, burst and all that. But but I think like overall, you're right. If you buy anything that's fine, like. I'd say 500 or more today. You're you're gonna be able to take some phenomenal photos right. in pretty much any setting and video. You know, right? I mean, ultimately, I think Samsung had a miss here. Unfortunately, you know, their best isn't the best in terms of being a pro. I wonder uh, how the S20 and S20 Plus compare because you know they're still using that 12 megapixel sensor, right? And they're using the dual pixel autofocus, which uh-huh. is superior. So. Um, yeah, I definitely want to get those two in hand and to try out uh, soon. Uh, a lot of people have asked me that yesterday after our story published, and everyone's just like, okay, but how does the S20 and S20 Plus compare? They have different sensors and also just different autofocus systems. And so my guess is, you know, they will outperform uh, the S20 Ultra in terms of like the autofocus. Now, if, again, if you want the kind of professional manual uh, settings and capabilities that the S20 Ultra affords you, you know, the being able to switch to 108 megapixel mode, being able to switch to 40 megapixel selfie mode. If you want that that kind of manual control, and you know, whether it's for shooting landscapes or whatnot, then the S20 Ultra. You're not. You can't go wrong. You know. You can focus on by yourself. Auto like you know. Tap lock focus. All that good stuff. Um, but if you're looking to shoot video, yeah, I would stay away from the S20 Ultra at least until there's a patch that 
claims they'll fix it, you know? It's just, yeah. I, you cannot shoot any kind of video where the subject is constantly, you know, Hunting. going in and out, yep. going, yep. popping in and out uh, in terms of focus. Like, it's just not acceptable. Um, even like a Galaxy Note 10, you know, has this, has the superior like dual pixel autofocus system. And so that is a better video camera than even the S20 Ultra. Or just get an iPhone if you want to do video and call it a day. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you cannot point, be iPhone in terms of video. like stabilization um, and all that. So it's a 108 megapixel. Does that sensor have OIS or is that electronic as well? I hope it does have OIS. Uh, I believe it does have OIS. That would make sense because uh, you want to use the entire sensor. You right, don't want to, like, right. The, the weird thing is that when you're shooting 8K video, it does not have stabilization at all. Of course all. it doesn't because it's too computationally intensive. Right, right. And it does 8K at 24, right? Right. So... Yeah. I mean, that's a gimmick at this point, you know? Well, you know, it's going to be a gimmick. 24? <laughs> I mean, you know, f- f- real, artists? real artists and real <laughs> filmmakers, they shoot at 24. Yeah. You know, I, when I go to Filmic Pro, I shoot at 24 for some of my smaller projects. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this is where Apple has a big advantage, right? With their custom silicon, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and just because of how, like, power efficient and how powerful their a series chips are i think apple could do this 8k 24 or 30 or 60 fps and do it way better just because they have the chips uh to do i mean it, they're know? the are they the only ones still that do 4k 60 on the front camera i don't think anyone else is doing that the don't quote me on this but uh, yeah I, I think they might be i mean maybe samsung on this well generation. i know they're i know they're the only ones who do 4k 60 on all their cameras and stabilized so, and stabilize which is and, crazy talk right and so I, I you know i shoot at full res everything you know uh 4k 60 4k 30 um i don't like and you know like pro uh non-high efficiency mode right yeah, yeah and so like i get the full uh readout and so yeah i mean they're big files i've you know pushed my iphone really hard and pushed my android phones really really hard and uh you know I think that truly nobody can keep up with what Apple's doing because they've really got an integrated uh, system here. Um, and everyone else is relying on, you know, Qualcomm's chips, which are better year over year, but they're still, they still lag behind Apple, you know, and a- Apple's yeah. always It's that gonna... vertical integration. And you feel that with Huawei as well. I feel that having right. their own Kirin chips, mm-hmm. I feel that they're, I'm not saying their image processing is faster or better, but they certainly have a leg up in terms of integrating it all together. Right. And you feel that sometimes in, you know, just the speed of, of processing autofocus. Like, you know how on the Pixel 4, you still see the, you know, when you take a shot, sometimes you see it applying the either the HDR plus. Right. It, it takes, it's much faster than it was on the three and the two, right. but you see it and you don't really see that on a Huawei phone or an iPhone. It's just, boom, right. there's your photo, right? Done. Exactly. Um, so uh, we talked about the telephoto 64 megapixel uh, without OIS and with a folded lens or periscope lens. Uh, what about the ultra wide? What's your experience been with ultra wide on the S20 ultra? I mean, it's a, uh... I think it's fine, you know. It, it's a 12, I, right? It's a 12 megapixel sensor uh, resolution camera. And, you know, I, I, I did comparisons with, you know, the Galaxy Note uh, 10 and mm-hmm. iPhone 11 Pro. And, you know, outdoors, they look fine. But, you know, in low light, they kind of it kind of falls apart um, in the corners. And, you know, you get definitely get more noise, image noise. Um, How but, is low light in general on the S20 Ultra with this 9 to 1 pixel binning on the main sensor? What are the f-stops on all these lenses? Do you know off the top of your head? Uh, I believe the ultra wide is f one point eight. 
That's believe. not bad for not bad. an ultra wide. Um, I mean, they're ultra wides. There's no OIS for this uh, particular lens. No. There, there's never been for ultra wide. It's really not that much of a need, honestly, unless you're shooting video and then you need like that GoPro stabilization style. Well, you know? I mean, I I disagree. I feel like I would love to. I love to see OIS on all the cameras. Um, Me too, ideally, but I feel like the ultra wide is probably the one you could probably do get away with electronic stabilization if your sensor was big enough. Sure. I'd rather see larger pixels, honestly. I'd rather see like sure. a, an eight megapixel sensor with large pixels mm-hmm. uh, that crops down to six or seven megapixel and has a bit of EIS mm-hmm. on an ultra wide. And we're not seeing that right now. I mean, right. uh, now that I've used the Mate 30 Pro from Huawei that has that 40 megapixel for the ultra wide, it's insane ray it's like you've never <laughs> seen ultra wide pictures in low light this good i so, i mean ultra wides you know i i love shooting with the ultra wide camera uh cameras on all all the phones um and my the biggest the most disappointing thing is just uh low light performance right um it's just softer yeah, there's more yeah. image noise even indoors you know the, where there's still quite a bit of luminance it just doesn't look as good and especially in video you can see the the artifacts um, so I would like to see some more improvements there. Uh, I know ultra wides are supposed to be more for like landscapes where there's like less less things moving around, but like I'm not out. I love in the using ultra wide as for street photography. So that's why exactly. you know when low light happens in street photography. Fear, I think low light happens. Period. I wanted to get a T-shirt printed that says <laughs> low light happens. Do um, it so that people can be reminded of how important it is on the phone. <laughs> um, so is the main sensor doing well with that 9 to 1 pixel binning? What's it, the experience been on that? It's doing all right, you know. I wouldn't say, light. yeah, I think it's doing fine. You okay. know, uh, that's a default setting, 9 to 1. Uh, it's not full 108 megapixels, so you're still getting uh, 12 megapixel photos out of the camera, right? Right, right. Um, and so... You know, it, it looks good. You guys can scroll through all the examples. Let me know how they compare, um, if there are any other comparisons. It did look really good, yeah. I thought it held its other... own night mode and everything right. as well. For, so. abs- absolutely. It definitely, like, you can see there's more resolution compared to, like, Note 10. Um, you can see, like, especially in the night mode of the kind of... Uh, the skyline of the Brooklyn Bridge, you can see that the water is, like, more detailed. Uh, there are more highlights um and overall it's just a better image um and again on instagram on twitter you won't see it yeah you won't see it really it's going to be comparable to previous gen if you know what you're doing you know um so unfortunately i i i don't think this is the best camera in a smartphone i was hoping that it would be i was just i was just hoping it would just like (laughs) spec out beast out and crush everybody else maybe not necessarily the iphone but like come really darn close but apple's like tuning is just like next level like i didn't expect some of these photos to be like using deep fusion and i almost completely actually forgot about deep fusion <laughs> we do and that's the beauty of apple right you forgot about you forget about this well it, it's have. an automatic mode and yeah. you don't know when it kicks in um but i use an app called metafo metafo uh yeah, and I've uh, seen that. it was able to let me see the metadata and see which shots were deeply fused uh-huh. Um, and so that's why certain shots like the food comparison, even though the Samsung should have like beaten it, you know, nine pixels to one uh, in that kind of like mild light, low light performance, uh, the iPhone just crushed it on another level with detail. Like, what the heck? This is a 12 megapixel sensor. How did it do that? Yeah. And 
we're talking about like you know sweater mode deep fusion that's just really working and it doesn't work on like every shot you don't know when it kicks in but like right when you hit that sweet spot for it uses whatever machine learning it's got like processed and you know trained been trained on to like really like just bring out all those sharp details and you're like wow i mean we're seeing a lot of that like right now you i don't know if you saw like people taking old films and up sampling the frame mm-hmm. rate and the resolution and coloring uh like right. colorizing them using ai right. and i mean it's not perfect but damn it's like if really this is good, right? now in 2020 i can't imagine what it's going to be like in 20 you know in 2030 like we might be able to watch star trek the next generation in 4k <laughs> 30 60 frame per second you know like ai upscaled um, I think so. Because right now that's the challenge, right? Like a lot of our, the TV shows we love, uh, classic TV shows are, unfortunately were shot on video, not on mm-hmm. film. If they're on film, it's easy to pick, make them 4K. But when they're shot 4-3 aspect ratio, right. you know, video at, uh, you know, some crappy, pretty much 240 pixel resolution, ugh, it's rough. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm excited about AI for that. I think that's a perfect example how machine learning can can knock it out the park, right? Totally. Yeah. So how is the, uh, before we move on to the next few topics, how is the telephoto in low light? I mean, it's, again, it's, rough, it's, also, right? it, it's, it's, it's not the best, you know, uh, I wouldn't say it's terrible to be honest. Uh, you know, every, every camera is going to be different just cause there, there's different tuning again. Um, but yeah. you know, at, low zoom ranges you know i'd say like 5x 4x 10x it still looks pretty damn good um it just falls apart after 10x you know i'd say really you're you're looking at some really mushy muddy details um and more image noise Um, how does it do at that weird little like in below where the optical folding lens like Mm -hmm. you know lives like like 2x because that's the challenge with like the p30 pro it's a 5x optical Mm -hmm. right so you're like below 5x right you're using that 40 megapixel main sensor and i think it's actually using two sensors like the telephoto and them and it kind of like you know sends both data to the uh, to the image processing pipe mm-hmm. to kind of like get some more data out of it but it it struggles a little bit i find compared to say the p20 prior to it which right. only had a three times optical because you know uh that two times is a pretty common you know mm-hmm. upsize of course with a 108 megapixel sensor even at nine to one pixel binning you probably get some pretty great result at 2x right you don't need right. the telephoto lens for that I mean, at 2x, it's 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 okay. You know, it has a pretty small aperture. We're talking the telephoto lens has a f 3.5 uh, yeah. aperture, so there's not as much light going into the yeah, lens. Yeah, that's a challenge for and sure. And so, you know, couple that with a larger image sensor, uh, you know, resolution, and you're 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 going to get some more challenging shots, uh, shooting capabilities. Right? What's the f stop on that main lens? Do you know? Uh, the main lens, the 108 megapixel. Yeah. It's a f1.8. Yeah, it's all right. I, I, I kind of was really excited when they were doing f4, 1.4, 1.5, 1.6 <laughs> on all phones. That seems to have gone away, though. f1.4? Um, I don't know if I've seen that. What phone I has think it was LG. F1. I think well, somebody was I doing 1.4, 1.5. I can't remember. 1.6. Right. I remember f1.6 well, on Huawei LG. Well, Huawei does 1.6 on their high-end main right. sensors. I don't know. I don't know. 
I mean, somebody LG did one point six for a while. Somebody should fact check us because, like, uh, I'm not sure. I don't think I've ever seen one point five or even one point four on a smartphone. That I've would seen be like, it. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty con. I'm pretty okay. confident. I can't remember which phones so. <laughs> though. Somebody um, tweeted somebody us. Somebody <laughs> did. Definitely not Apple. Apple has always done one point eight or something. Right. It's one point seven ish, something like that. Right. Yeah. Correct us in the in Twitter because I am pretty <laughs> convinced. At least I'm. Not 100% sure 1.4, but 1.5, I've seen 1.5. All right. I'm going to have to do a poll about this. Um, and I'm pretty sure it was somebody like LG, but um, or maybe Huawei. I don't know. Um, speaking of LG, uh, do you want to switch gears and talk about the sure. V60 Think Q5G? We sure. both got hands-on with it. You you in New York, me in San Francisco. Uh-huh. Um, and I've, I don't want to be a downer because I love LG, okay? <laughs> I think LG for a long time did some really great imaging work. In fact, I feel like the G8 last year, non-X, was totally underrated in terms of imaging. Mm. Um, a lot of people didn't like just shot it, shot with it, and were like, "Yeah, it's good. It's uh, it's up there with the best," but never really dug deep. But the low light on that phone was kind of insane. In my review, I found that it was particularly impressive. So, uh, but that was also a much faster f-stop. I think it's f1.6, and so. Mm-hmm. You know, at f1.6, so the 12 megapixel sensor with large pixel sizes, OIS, if you have, you know, if you've perfected your imaging pipeline over years, which LG has, um, the G4 was a stellar camera for its time. Um, for sure. I think, you know, I think it's not impossible to get good results. But then with the G8X and the L- and the V60, and that's really going to bring it up, they're going back to f1.8. And I think it's a cost-saving issue, but I'm not very happy to see these these companies have made fast lenses in the past make slower mm-hmm. lenses to save money because I don't think you can... Better glass is always better glass. Uh-huh. Right? So anyway, that's my my gripe with it. That and the 1080p so display. I, def- I definitely agree uh, on all the points that you just and hit. And the lack of telephoto. <laughs> I mean, LG's in a very tight spot, right? They're losing money uh, in their from their mobile division. They're not selling as many phones. Um, and honestly... It's it's truly la- lost a lot of its luster, you know, uh, in terms of like you know reach um, and presence and uh, market share. Um, you know, LG is still very big in South Korea, um, and you know, Samsung and LG are still big titans over there. You know, but look at these specs. I'm looking at the specs right now, and you got a 64 megapixel main shooter with f 1.9. Aperture. Wait, the main shooter? You're talking about the ultra wide? Because I think the ultra wide. The main the main shooter. So the ultra wide is a 13 megapixel. Uh, camera and so yeah i mean we're talking about some specs that are like not great you know compared to what they've done before and again like you also just mentioned there's no telephoto you know like what the heck Um, yeah it's weird so i well i was right so i'm looking at my g8 review the f the f-stop on that main camera is f over 1.5 okay okay for 1.5 ois um 12 megapixel 1.4 1.4 micron and the ultra wide have an f over 1.9 which for an ultra wide is stupid fast lens right so they still have an f of 1.9 ultra wide on the v60 but their main lens on the v60 is not it's it's not fast i can't remember right. what it was the specs were conflicting so right. i'm not sure i have to look right so i mean I, ultimately, LG's in a tight spot. Um, I think what they're really pushing for is this, hey, look, we are selling these phones, our flagship phones, with this dual screen accessory. 
Um, and we saw that's that with the, the shtick, right? Right. They we saw that with the GAX. You know, if you, in the U.S. at least, if you bought the GAX, thank you, you got the accessory, and it was a pretty good bundle. You know, it was like I think it was like seven hundred, six hundred, seven hundred dollars uh, for both together. Um, so you're getting like two screens for seven hundred dollars or six 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 seven hundred dollars, um, and you know, LG really has no more cards to play. Unfortunately, have you they know? announced pricing officially on this? Because they said they would be no. really aggressive. No, they have not. Um, yeah. My understanding, and and I'm just like this is my thoughts more on like you know looking at the spec sheet, like without a telephoto. With I'm looking at the actual official LG specs that they emailed this morning. Mm-hmm. The main lens is f of 1.8, which compared to 1.5 last year on the G8 is, bleh. but anyway, that and the 1080p display instead of. 2k which i don't really care about personally but i feel like as a cost cutting and the mm-hmm. lack of telephoto means to me that you know they they kind of hinted that they would be competitive with the entry level s20 but mm-hmm. i think this is going to undercut the s20 when it finally hits the carriers quite a bit and still include the dual screen which is i think the shtick as i said like but i don't find the dual screen very helpful like i use the g8x dual screen mm-hmm. And I kind of wanted to pull the phone out and just use it as a phone. And then I was like, well, that, that makes it kind of a crappy flagship now, does it? You know, right. when you look at it in the vacuum without the case, it's the same with the V60. It's like, okay, yeah, it has, all, it has a lot of good specs, like 865, mm-hmm. and it's got like 5G, and it's 64 megapixel main sensor. That's kind of why they said they don't have a telephoto, right? right. Which we should digest that in a second, because like I you mean, and I have <sighs> issues around that. 5,000 milliamp hour battery, that's really good. That's really good for a right. 1080p screen, you know. But, but at the same time, if like you're putting if, on that dual screen, then it's gonna suck more battery, you know. And that dual screen is kind of useless, so you probably end up using it as a normal phone. And at that point, it's no longer a flagship. It doesn't feel like right. a flagship with these compromises. I, I wouldn't. I I disagree that it's useless. I think there's definitely some interesting functionality uh, there, and you know, multitasking. I actually, oddly enough, like enjoyed using it except for the kind of way you activate the dual screen i think the ui for that is terrible um because I like think the ui in general is terrible for right it's just it's just not intuitive it's like for example like launching the gamepad like you have to launch it on the second screen but it shows up on the other screen it's like weird like shouldn't the app that you launch launch on the screen that you opened it on you know uh it's it's very funky um but i i personally actually did enjoy using like you know having a twitter feed and my feedly open at the same time um just because i always have i those feel two that apps. i always have to set it up like and it's just more work to set it up than to just use it right and though i end up realizing after like at first i was like this is cool let me try it out let me use multiple apps at the same time and then after a while i was like it's a kind of hassle to use in terms of experience user interface right, it's a hassle. And so i was like then I, after a week i was like i'm carrying extra weight in an extra case right. that's using battery that i don't need <laughs> and so i took it away and then i was like well this phone is not horrible it meets mm-hmm. all the bare minimum essentials but for the price and for you know a quote unquote flagship it you know i'd much rather have a one plus seven t at this point you know <laughs> like, I, I i would too i mean right? there there are other things that lg wants to uh differentiate itself with this phone you know it's got 5g it's got um you know the awesome audio like the awesome audio the 3.5 millimeter it, yeah, it's got headphone jack with with its quad DAC, which is still right. the best in my opinion other than sure. buying a thousand dollar external DAC, you're not going to get better anywhere else right right um you so, know yeah, I yeah. mean, 
it, it's a, it's a fine it's a fine phone it's an underrated phone I think unfortunately I just don't think it's gonna move the needle at all for LG it's not gonna save them at all no. I think their time is over much like you know HTC Sony and, yeah exactly uh, and like you know unfortunately they just got buried you know and that was years in the making and you know they're trying to fight for relevancy now and it's just not gonna and, work and to me this this feels like another version of that like I I. <sighs> I'm just like this, I, they're putting all this eggs into this dual screen thing, which we know is not the future. Uh, maybe it, maybe I'll eat my words when, when the <laughs> Microsoft Surface Duo comes out. Sure. But, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't feel that's where we're going. I don't feel that's where, as Gruber would say, where the puck is, uh, you know, I'm, I should be skating where the puck is going to be, not where it is now. Right. And I don't feel they're doing that. I feel like, the spec sheet is okay. Like it's pretty solid. It's 90% there for flagship. The cost I think is going to be very competitive and that's good, mm -hmm. but you're appeasing the carriers. You still, LG is still making phones for carriers. Exactly. Not for consumers. And they've got to stop that. Like, well, even Samsung stopped doing that five years ago. Like, I don't on. think they can, they can't, they can't stop doing that because they're, you know, they have so little market share that in order for any carrier to even bother stocking their phones, they What if they, they make an S20 Ultra that costs 1000 instead of 1500 and undercut Samsung and present that to the carriers? I mean, I, I think that's still going to be a hard sell. We're the components, they're, the build costs for Yeah, they don't the have 20, the, the economies yeah, of scale, do they? Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so I just don't think it's going to happen, unfortunately. You know, LG's positioning this almost like, you know, they, they weren't, affirmative on it but it's pretty obvious to me that they're positioning it as kind of a a alternative to the foldable phones that are out there you know samsung z flip yeah, yeah, galaxy yeah. fold and razor um and this is like okay you know well durability sucks on those phones but the durability on this is amazing because it's not actually a screen that folds in half you know yeah um and so it's an interesting idea uh unfortunately i just don't think it'll work no. Um, and it sucks because, you know, it sucks because they're stuck. I mean, yeah, they're, and, so stuck. And they're stuck and also they're making these compromises in terms of spec sheet. Um, you know, they're positioning this as their best phone, but they're making compromise to keep the price down to appease the carrier so that right. they can bundle the dual display. And it's just all snowballs downhill, like a terrible disaster in the making. Like, I just feel like, you know, I'm not going to say no to this. So I'm not going to not recommend this one. I'm sure it's going to be very competent, just like the G8 that I reviewed last year and the G8X that I used but didn't review last year. And it's just, but still overall, I'm just like, where is the excitement? Where is the enthusiasm? As an audio person, yeah, I can see this being a good choice. The camera, I'm really worried when, you know, Uber of Uber Gizmo and I were both at the briefing here and we asked, what, who makes the sensor? And it was super cagey. Like, that's when you know like, is this an Omnivision? Please tell me this is not an Omnivision sensor. You know, it's like Samsung sensor, maybe. But if it's a Sony sensor, I'm much more on board. Like, right. why can't you tell us? Like, what's the issue here? Like, this is important. This is the stuff that we generally can get a good feel. If it's a Sony sensor, we know it's going to be doing better at this pixel binning than, say, a right. Samsung sensor well right now. And uh, yeah, so it has actually three cameras in the back. There's a time of flight camera on the back. So don't get that confused with the telephoto because there isn't. Right. And so how do you feel about their, their spiel that you don't need a telephoto when you have a 64 <laughs> megapixel? Well, are you stop? I, my question then is, okay, at two times or four times zoom, are you no longer pixel binning then? Because in low light, it's going to fall apart, especially at f of mm -hmm. 1.8. 
Well, I think, you know, they the way they see it is that most people just don't use their telephoto lenses too often, right? Um, and so, you know, they can definitely do uh, portrait mode uh, with effects, the time of flight, yeah, right, without a yeah, and that's fair telephoto lens. So they're saving some costs there. Um, and unfortunately, you know, I I think I think it's you know valuable you know i think having the that full range from ultra wide to telephoto um just gives you more creative uh uh, capabilities and so for us to kind of walk back on that uh feels like a major step back and again the whole phone itself is a story of cutbacks right and i think that you know it just shows how stuck LG is. You know, they can't they can't pack it with the they simply cannot pack their f- latest flagship with the best specs anymore. I mean, to because, me, this feels like a OnePlus phone spec wise. You know, and even OnePlus I mean, is OnePlus, better because they have a telephone. Exactly, <laughs> OnePlus is doing way more interesting stuff. They have the scale. That's the thing. They have the scale that LG just doesn't now, well, right? Because because, uh, because BBK, BBK group, right? Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. So they I mean, have look, the, I don't want to dismiss it because right. I enjoyed using it for the thirty minutes I spent with it. I mm-hmm. always feel very comfortable with LG phones. I pick them up and everything feels familiar and everything's in the right place, and it's not it's 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 pleasant, but it's not like get it doesn't get my blood ex, you know pumping and doesn't get me excited at all. Um, so the specs are, you know, 1080p, 8 point, sorry, 6.8 inch display, 8 gigs mm-hmm. of RAM, 128 gigs of storage with micro SD, mm-hmm. 64 megapixel standard camera, f1.8 and OIS. And you we know got what? Th- I, I didn't see any kind of wireless charging there on the specs. It's it got wireless charging. I confirmed it. Okay. It's got wireless yeah. charging. It's got um, 25 watt wired charging, 5,000 milliamp hour battery. And they didn't say how fast the wireless was. I figure it's like probably 10 right. or 15. And Did they it, say what kind of 5G it supported, like millimeter um, or So sub-6? from what I remember is it's either or. It's like everything on X55. You either get sub-6 right. uh, or you get millimeter. And if you get millimeter, you might get low band with millimeter, but you won't get mid-band, mm-hmm. right? So it's it's uh, either mid-band and low or mid-band and high, right? Millimeter. Sure. Uh, 13 megapixel ultra wide f1.9 time of time of flight camera. There's a 10 megapixel front. The front camera is interesting because 10 megapixel f1.9 is good, and then 1.22 micron pixels. That front camera, I don't know if it has autofocus, but especially if it does have autofocus, which LG's done in the past, would be pretty dope. Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. 5,000 milliamp hour <laughs> battery though is pretty exciting to me. That's 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 sweet. 5,000 milliamp hours plus a 1080p display, that's just a battery kick. Even with two 1080p displays in this case, like if you use the dual screen right. accessory. I mean, I, I actually thought the battery life was pretty pretty good uh, with uh, the G8X. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't Surprisingly bad considering. Good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those are OLED displays, so they're probably pretty efficient. Uh, In-display fingerprint sensor. Um, yeah, I mean, look. Headphone jack and quad jack. This this is not a bad spec sheet, but right. Mm, let's see how it goes. I want to see a price, and I want to yeah. see, you know, um, I want to use it, especially the camera, because it might actually might surprise us. You know, it might. Um, it might. It might. So we'll see. We'll we'll find out. Um, sa- speaking of of cameras and and se- Sony and sensors and Samsung and sensors, Sony came out with new phones. Yep. How do you feel about that? 
I mean, they are. You said uh, Sony is like on their way out, like HTC earlier. So, I mean, Sony. I don't think they are though. I, See, that's the thing. Sony, it's like and and LG. I think where HTC had didn't have the advantages. Sony and LG. LG sells fridges and washing machines right. that are going to subsidize the mobile business. Sure. And Sony sells TVs and other really awesome right. consumer electronics like PlayStation that's going to subsidize the phones. I actually feel like Sony phones are in for the long run and are always going to be a niche item. They're going to be always expensive and quirky and weird. And I and for that, I kind of love them, to be honest with you. I mean, I love the idea for sure. Uh, I love seeing underdogs, right? And the, for I, I especially love... You know, everyone's like, just just give up already. But I love seeing like companies like HTC or LG or Sony, like they're still trying, right? And like you said, there's for Sony and LG, they can, their mobile division uh, is can be subsidized by the the rest of their business, right? Yeah. And so, but the thing is, like, you know, Sony used to be interesting in terms of like smartphones. The last real Sony phone I was really interested in was maybe like the Z3, right? And I was like, yep. amazing battery life. They also made a compact version of that. Oh, that and was so good. It was so good. And it was like flagship everything, you know, had the boxy design. And like now they've really just like leaned way more in in terms of like the imaging and their camera uh overlap right but i kind of like that they finally woke up and realized oh hey we have an entire camera division that's kicking ass why yeah, don't like they, for a long time they were afraid of cannibalizing their camera business with right. mobile remember and we would never get remember that for the longest until the xperia one last summer there wasn't a single sony phone with ois Yet, I mean, they make most sensors and lens systems for everyone right. else with ois that right. kind of killed me i mean it's a lot of stuff that just didn't make a lot of sense, to be honest. Um, and this phone, you know, these phones that they've announced, Xperia 1, 2, Xperia, they teased an Xperia uh, Pro. And Xperia uh, 10, 2, yeah. I mean, A, it's all very confusing, right? There's like all I kind of these... like the Mark II, though. That's kind of a Sony thing. A lot of people are pissed off by right. the name. I'm like, you don't understand. That's how they call the <laughs> Alpha cameras. That's how they uh, call, <laughs> like, their headphones, you know? I'm, right. I, well, know. I mean, I don't, I don't... Sony's going for this, like, ultra high end uh where it's so niche like you just said right yeah um you know they have their niche walkmans that like still alive and they're for pure audiophiles then they have these like cameras that are really great and they have these now they're trying to push out these smartphones that you know are supposed to plug into your your video camera and act as a little monitor and you know has hdmi output or input and like you know has these multiple cameras on the back i don't know it's got this like weird super skinny 21 by 9 aspect ratio because most people are shooting with their cameras are shooting in that and aspect i love that ratio. they call it a 4k display but it's really a 3k display because at that <laughs> right. aspect ratio you're cutting off a bunch you're of cutting pixels. off a bunch of stuff sorry I mean, folks <laughs> i mean it's it's not uhd is what it is not no um and so uh, here's my thing sony had all this has had all this experience making smartphone sensors and selling them to other phone makers and yet for year over year their image they tuning has been garbage you I know agree. the company that makes the sensors that is the most you know should should know the most about their own shit 
doesn't know how to make the image quality look good. And I, I looked back at like, you know, my year over year comparisons before this podcast. I'm like, yeah, why is the color so bad on Sony phones? It's always been bad, you know, compared to an iPhone, iPhone 6 way back, you know, Xperia Z3, Z, I mean, it's just never been good, you know? No. How come, how could a company that makes the sensors not be able to tune the software so that the picture quality is just like impeccable, kind of like their alpha cameras you know like how it's they just claim seems... that they're trying and that this is their second gen and it's you know Mm-mm. i i want to see the delivery because when they claim that on the xperia one and the xperia 5 by the way i like the 5 way better than the one because it's much more affordable and a better battery life and better form factor um smaller uh but it it, it didn't deliver like the the the, the spec sheet was there but the images weren't there right mm-hmm. you played with it it wasn't that good right I mean, the fact is, this phone is not going to matter. Not no. even to the cinema files. And no. the reason why it's not going to matter to even, like, the filmmakers is because guess what's in their pocket? An iPhone. And guess what takes the best video? An iPhone. An iPhone. Yeah. Exactly. I so do like a few just- things in there, though. I do like that. Uh, I do find it interesting they're sticking with a triple camera system that's 12 megapixel across the board. So they're okay. using yep. large pixel sizes. That's making me, making me happy. Um I'm happy about that they have a photo pro mode um, that replicates the alpha camera's UI. Um, that should be interesting. I'm not sure if, you know, it's a selling point. I mean, as you said, nobody's going to buy this. So, I mean, I, I <laughs> this don't is think all hypothetical a, I, at this I point. I don't think it's a selling point because the, the demographic that actually goes into manual mode on their phone is going to so buy a Fuji small. camera or in an alpha, an exactly, actual alpha camera. Exactly, exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah, They're yeah. just not. Mm-hmm. The thing is, like, unless this thing had, like, a massive sensor, you know, really went toe-to-toe with, like, their RX100 series, this thing is not moving the needle, man. I mean, all the eye tracking in the world is not going to mo- make this I do like appealing, that, though. That's know? the one thing that stands out to me. By the way, we didn't mention it. So it can do 20 frames per second um burst which nobody cares about on a phone but it can <laughs> um but it does what's more interesting is that 60 frame per second so three times for each of these 20 frame per second shots it can track eyes and if it doesn't see eyes it can track faces and it does that very very quickly in real time at least on the demos we saw we haven't touched these phones because this was this is not mwc this podcast right like this is the stuff they were going right. to show us at mwc we, so we, we would have get, touched these phones you know? correct we would have been able to put that to the test but look i'm going to get a review unit and take it through its paces i have to this is kind of fascinating to me <laughs> like i kind of want to believe because i love sony products mm-hmm. and i love especially their camera products me too and i want to believe that one day they'll get their head out of their ass and deliver something that will be competitive and surprise us. So, I mean, yeah. I, I think it might just be us, you know, you know, we're a, a an older generation, perhaps, right? And, you know, we loved Sony. We we had Sony growing up, and yeah. they always made yeah. cool stuff. But come on, the, the new kids, they just have no affinity. They have, like, no connection to Sony. They could care less what happens to these, like, this brand. It, it's doesn't connect with them and so it doesn't matter to them at all yeah no i mean it's a niche player but i think likes lg they can subsidize that niche and they're going to continue but 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 for how long you know sony sony's two biggest money-making businesses are playstation and the imaging division right the imaging yeah you're right right and so sony has been losing so much money i you know i don't have the report up the latest report but like they they continue to bleed money this division is like they I mean, 
I, I'm I'm surprised they didn't just sell it off already, you know, spin it off and sell it off because that's like what, they did with Vio, right? That's what Her- Kaz Harai was doing uh, with almost everything that was losing money. They they spun it off, sold it off, and just like yep. you know, their money making stuff is you know their PlayStation, their um, imaging stuff, and you know their movie business. And even yep. then, it's like they had to cancel. What, what was that? Uh, PlayStation View, right? They had to kill right. PlayStation View because it's just couldn't be competitive enough. Uh, streaming wars are just there's just two main players now and so i don't know man i just see this as another losing phone you know I, personally the geek in me like you we definitely want to play with these things i mean and- i'll drink the kool-aid on this one <laughs> send it my way sony like i i mean okay uh we should i want to continue because we've got a bunch of more news to share sure. but but the just quickly for the listeners check out the show notes i'll have a link to a verge article that spells out all the three phones that were announced as the xperia one two uh, which is Mark II, Xperia 1, next generation, if you want, which we just discussed. Then Xperia 10, Mark II, which is kind of like a remake or their mid-range 10 phone. And then there's an Xperia Pro, which is basically the same as the Xperia 1, but with 5G millimeter wave instead of low band sub-6. And that thing has an HDMI input, so you can use it as a display for a video camera, like a, an HDMI monitor, but it also lets you take that HDMI stream and broadcast it over 5G millimeter. And apparently they have some broadcast equipment that's compatible with that. So this is really a pro play for the the television studio people. I, um, I think this phone, bizarre, bizarre product. I, I mean, 5G millimeter wave streaming. I mean, it sounds amazing, but like this year, next year, no, not even. Maybe in yeah, like this is, a, this is, five years out, this you phone. Know, this might work in Japan, actually, potentially. Exactly. You know, that's the thing. Like their, their broadcast, you know, television stations in Japan might be outfitted with this stuff. Who knows? Right. But it's interesting. Um, Huawei announced a bunch of stuff um, mm-hmm. at not MWC. <laughs> <laughs> um, quickly going to go through that. There's a mate. Uh, XS, which is not to be confused with iPhone XS. Uh-huh. <laughs> Mate XS, which is their Mate X from last year, their folding phone, God. updated with new specs, and we'll go through that in a second. There's also MateBook X Pro, an updated version uh-huh. of their awesome 15-inch MacBook Pro competitor laptop. And then there's mm-hmm. always a tablet. I didn't put it down in the show notes, but they made a, an iPod Pro ripoff, just like Samsung did recently. Um, and I want to... Th- I want your thoughts on maybe very briefly on the Mate XS. Uh, what okay. are your thoughts on this? It feels like a desperate attempt to stay relevant in the folding space when Samsung's yep. eating everybody's lunch. Yep. I mean, I mean, I love Huawei, but this is what it feels like to me. The most important thing Huawei needs to do was to prove how much more durable this version is. Correct. And they said certain, that, you know, they they said something, you know. They redid they, the hinge, apparently. It's got 125 more parts. Okay, that, I mean, I don't know what that really means in the real world, but, like, tell me whether this thing will scratch with my fingernail. Uh, and it will. Tell me, and it will. <laughs> I mean, the screen still is a folding outward. Screen. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, the X, I think, um, it only launched in China, so it was very limited release. And I honestly haven't heard much about it since? You know Ben Sin, who lives in Hong Kong? He played with one. Okay. There's a few people that have uh, posted some good reviews, or rather some good content around them. Uh, I didn't mean positive reviews. I meant good content. Right. Um, and I, I'm honestly, if somebody plumped a Mate X or Mate XS in front of me and said, you have it for a week, have fun, I think I'd have a really good time with it. 
Yeah, but I'm a week sure is fine. not enough. A week is not enough to tell you Absolutely anything about not. these. Absolutely not. But then again, look at what what Samsung did with the the Galaxy Flip review units. One day, you know, everybody had to pre-order theirs. I, mean, I missed. I missed the pre-order board, and I still can't buy one. <laughs> I know. I expect like, that to happen. I mean, same thing for Razer, right? It was pretty embarrassing oh for God, Razer. Yeah. I don't even know if I really want to get into that one. Um, but like, I mean, a quick four one one is just like. My razor that I only played with, and this was like our editor in chief's Josh's razor. He bought it and he reviewed it, and I picked it up a week later, literally exactly a week later, and it had it for twenty four hours, and it delaminated. We okay? we covered that on the show quite extensively a couple of weeks back. It's amazing to me, you know. And like you know how I'm, I don't know how it happened. I just I'm still. My my mind is blown right now. I'm like, I don't know how it happened. If you touch the device, you would see that there's no physical damage to the screen surface. It's smooth as can be. But the only places that's cracking are the two side hinges right at the hinge. Like, I mean, it's pretty obvious what happened. Did they replace it for you? Did you end no, up we didn't, like, getting I mean, it dissected by anybody? No, I mean... Josh still has the device, and we're still trying to. I don't know if he's figure over the phone or trying to figure. It's completely wrecked. He told me. Suggest to uh, to Josh that he gives it to Zach at JRig everything since <laughs> I fix it, won't touch it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I don't even want to get started on this because I, I still don't have a review in it. They still don't want to give anybody. A review they, I don't think they really want understand. people messing around with these things. That's that's not inspire confidence, folks. I I don't think. Any foldable that launches is going to have a traditional review unit where they let press play with it for any kind of like extended period of time. Longer that's than kind like of ridiculous to me. I mean, that just shows again, like you just said, the lack of confidence they have in these products. Because unfortunately, the Mate XS, going back to topic, is not the phone. I mean, it's not the one that's going to solve this problem. It's still a plastic screen. It's still a right. plastic screen on the outside. Um, but kudos to Huawei for trying to. Uh, stay in the in the race with an improved version of this phone. I'm sure they're working on a clamshell now. Like this seems to be the hot thing. Have you played with those Huawei laptops, the MateBook X Pro, etc. In the past, I have. I actually own one. I bought. Oh, one. it's a great laptop. It's a great laptop. Now it has a 10th gen Intel, and it right. comes in green. Okay. So, I mean, I mean, I'm not going to go into more detail on that. I'll have a link in the show notes <laughs> about an article. But I'm excited that they're continuing to update it. I do wish that that. A uh, pop-up camera and the keyboard would go away and go back mm. up to the bezel because I don't think that's a really good thing. But um, oh man, that that's where I disagree too. I like that. You like I it? Well, I rarely I just use my webcam. I just don't feel it gives me a good like. It's a bad uh, angle. Yeah, but it's a very it's bad like angle, not but, good angle. That's but I rarely use the webcam on my laptop, like and on my MacBook, my work issue. It's MacBook, nice that you can physically hide it. Like I right. like that. Right. So I have a piece of tape on my MacBook right now. And I love that about the mate because, like, a I rarely yeah. use it, uh, maybe like less than a handful of times a year, and I, that way I know there's never anything like looking at me. But I love the computer itself. The bezels it's are such a good machine, so thin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know the graphics chip is like better than the Intel stuff. Um, and there are plenty of ports, and the keyboard's fantastic, and it's just a good solid build quality. Um, and so yeah, I mean. I'm glad they're updating it. Me too. Um, moving on quickly, I want to finish with this topic. There's a couple of more after that, but I think they're not that important. Um, another not MWC uh, announcement is that uh, Oppo has launched their Realme brand, the X50, uh-huh. 
which looks really interesting for five six hundred dollars in terms mm -hmm. of specs. It's got a ninety hertz display. Uh -huh. um, it's got um, all the latest Snapdragon goodness. Nine, uh, sorry, eight sixty five. It's got five uh, G obviously, which is what's kind of amazing. A five hundred dollar phone with five G that's got top specs. Three cameras on the back. Uh, 65 watt super fast charging those chinese phones are pretty amazing i they're mean i just love the spec sheets on these how do you feel i i think it i mean they're they're pushing the limits of what a mid-range phone is i call um, them affordable flagships <laughs> affordable flagships if you want to yeah. call them that um and but they're getting very confusing you know um if you look at this like real me not that thing, it matters to anybody out here not really but also i mean it's confusing for a lot of people, you know, um, just because like this one has like the the previous version, the Realme X50 had a 120 hertz display and the new one, the Pro version X50 Pro has, has 90 a hertz, 90 hertz yeah. display. What? So it's like, I don't know what they're doing there. What are they doing there? Like, what, what are you really doing, you know? Um, and so, I mean, I get it. They're pushing out the tech at, out as soon as it's ready, right? Yep. Um, but at the same time, it's like, okay, you're paying more, but you're getting less, and then you're paying less, but you're getting more somehow here. And so, like, all the spec charts are, like, all scrambled and messed up. And, um, yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, I think the Realme stuff has been uh, slowly clawing its way up to the top very quickly. I mean, it's super popular in India. Super so. popular. Um, and, you know, the pricing is very uh, on point uh, and very key to their success. Um, but again, out here in the U.S., nobody's buying these phones, so um, doesn't really matter to me too much. Um, but I think in Asia, you're seeing bigger brands like Samsung and you know LG and you know other phone makers. They're they're getting, feeling the squeeze real hard. You oh, know? yeah, 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 for sure. I think um, I'm, even Apple might be feeling a squeeze in India. Right. Well, um, I think Oppo is like, you got all these big brands, Chinese brands, and they all have sub-brands, right? Right. Um, and like Huawei has Honor, and Oppo has like, you know, this Realme, and Xiaomi has like... Redmi Red and CC and Red Pocophone. And, so, <laughs> right. And so they all have these sub-brands, which like, I think they're kind of trying to disassociate themselves from these bigger brands so that it doesn't feel like, oh, it's it's like Facebook owning Instagram and WhatsApp, right? A lot of people still don't realize that WhatsApp is owned by Facebook yeah. or Instagram is owned by Facebook. And so... It feels like they're separate, but they're all owned by this massive corporation in the background. Yeah, know? and then there's BBK Group, right. which is, you know, Oppo, Vivo, OnePlus. Right, but uh, yeah, Realme. so, I mean, BBK basically controls everything, the supply chain, and um, they are the innovation makers, right? And they yeah. are giving these brands the kind of supply chain scale to, like, quickly uh, push out new uh, innovations and then quickly reduce the prices on the components, right? Um, in a way that LG and Samsung cannot keep up with. Um, and yep. so I can only see these brands getting uh, more popular over time, especially, you know, in emerging markets, you know, like India is a, there are tons of people there and they're all looking for their next big thing and they're basically growing their brands there uh, very quickly. But, you know, I look at this phone and I'm like, okay, this is great. The price is, is good, but the price isn't great. Like for India, this is a very expensive phone. And you know, you compare it to, say, like the K20 Pro last year from Redmi, right? That was a Snapdragon 855 with a triple rear camera, like tele, ultra-wide, regular, for $300. Mm -hmm. You know, 
Now, I didn't have 5G granted and it was last year's spec, but like to me, if this phone had been $450 with 5G, right. like this particular X50 Pro, I'd been like, oh, wow, okay, this is interesting. But like 650 is what it translates to right now. That's getting into almost, you know, normal flagship territory for me. So I don't right. know. Right. Like for India, I think this is a tough sell, but who knows? Maybe, maybe it'll fly. We'll see. Anyway, we, we should probably wrap up. I know sure. there's a couple of other topics on the list, but I'm going to leave them for next week. Um, okay. Do you want to tell the audience where they can find you on the internet, your various social media handles, and of course, you know, where they can read you? Sure. Uh, on Twitter, you can find me at Ray Wongi. That's R-A-Y-W-O-N-G with a Y. And then uh, I guess on Instagram at Sour Lemons. Oh, I didn't know that. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, I have. I, I, I can't seem to get like a consistent branding uh, username across all my social um, and but I am very happy that I got my the bite account at Raymond so uh, nice. <laughs> so I mean I haven't posted a bite uh, in a while but if you guys also want to find me on bite uh, it's just at Raymond so Sweet. yeah you can find me on there and uh, I guess just hanging around on input you know yeah absolutely so check out ray's work i've got a few links to uh his stuff especially the galaxy s20 ultra camera comparison uh in the show notes so please look at that and you folks know where to find me i'm at tankgirl on twitter and instagram that's t-n-k-g-r-l like the comic book character but without the vowels that's how you'll remember um Twitter is where you want to interact with me about this podcast. If you want to ask me questions, correct us on, on that F of 1.4 and all that. Uh, do it in Twitter. And then uh, if you want to look at pretty pictures taken with phones or uh, pretty pictures of phones, also sometimes of phones taken in phones, that's like very, uh, very meta there. Um, check out my Instagram. Uh, there's also a YouTube channel, Mobile Tech Podcast is what it's called, uh, where you'll find hands-ons like the uh, LG V60 ThinQ 5G. That's a handful, uh, a mm -hmm. mouthful, I mean, of a name. But you'll find a video hands-on of that there. So uh, youtube.com slash mobile tech podcast. Um, basically visual compliments to the show. And of course, the show lives at mobiletechpodcast.com. So check it out. If you uh, subscribe uh, for the first time or rather listen for the first time and you want to subscribe, uh, go to mobiletechpodcast.com. There's links to subscribe with Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, uh, Spotify, a few other things. And there's an old school RSS feed there too if you like to use that for subscribing to shows. Uh, please rate the show and review the show on those platforms that support it. We appreciate that. So that's it. And now I'd like to take a minute to thank our sponsor, Surfshark VPN. Surfshark is a VPN service that makes online privacy protection easy and attainable. Surfshark encrypts all internet traffic sent to and from your devices and ensures that your IP address remains hidden to make sure nobody can see what you do online. On top of that, they block ads, trackers, malware, and phishing attempts. And unlike other VPN services, you can use it on as many devices as you'd like simultaneously. I use it when I travel to protect my privacy when I'm on open Wi-Fi hotspots and say I want to access Netflix US when I'm in the UK. I can do that with Surfshark VPN. Another example is the other way around. Say that I'd like to see a UK show on Netflix, but I'm in the US. Well, Surfshark VPN lets me do that. So that's how I've used Surfshark VPN both while traveling and when at home. And now I'd like to share the love. I want you to try out Surfshark for yourself with my exclusive limited time deal. 
click on the description below or go to surfshark.deals slash mobile tech podcast. That's surfshark.deals slash mobile tech podcast. Thanks to Surfshark VPN for sponsoring the show. Thanks, Ray, for being on the show. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, we'll have you back again sometime, maybe to discuss how to make proper use of camera phones on video <laughs> and photos. I love it. Yeah, so stay tuned, folks. We'll have another show next week. And until then, cheers, everybody. See ya. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.